Good afternoon and welcome to Colton's Court. I'm your host, Gerald Colton, where this week and every week we will be discussing the issues of legal and business as they pertain to the world of sports and touching on all sorts of other social things that come along the way. Welcome back to Colton's Court, and this is the launch of our season two, and we're happy to be here. And this year, we have a brand new co-host along with myself, and that is Jari Evans, former six-time pro bowler, five-time all-pro guard for the New Orleans Saints and last year the Green Bay Packers, and he'll be joining us every week, at least until he, uh, something else might happen in his life, <laughs> uh, and we'll, he'll be sharing his views on all the topics that we discuss. Welcome, Jari. It's great to have you along. Yes, sir. Good to, glad to be here. So, Jari, let's, let's dive right into it. We're, we're going to have a visit later on from your former teammate, Roman Harper, who entered the league with you in, when the Saints both drafted you in the famous draft class of 2006 that uh, eventually propelled you to a Super Bowl four years later. And we'll get into a lot of different things with Roman, but there's a couple things to discuss that we like to do in our format here on Colton's Court that happened over the summer. And as we are getting into the start of NFL season, um, we, we are in going into week four now of the preseason games. It used to be that after week three, there was a cut down from the 90 men on the roster to 75, and then ultimately to the final 53 the week after. Now they extend that, So, uh, especially since the teams don't want to play their starters really at all, let alone in week four. Right. The cutdowns don't happen until after that last preseason game. But talk about your experience and how you felt about these preseason games when you participated. Um, definitely... Uh you know, you, you definitely want to get the body used to hitting, and you can get you can do that in the first three games. But the last thing you want to do is is really lose a guy before the meaningful games happen in week one. But as we're seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of starters didn't play last week in a lot of games um, in a lot of positions. But I think it's great because it gives the guys opportunities to make ball clubs and also get more film out there, auditioning for other clubs. So. I mean, I think it's great that the, the a lot of the, the veteran guys who are going to be playing next week and throughout the whole season you know, don't play as much to fort preaching the game and get those younger guys ready and, and acclimated to seeing exactly what a, f- a full game is like because a lot of them are surprised, you know, what, what the guys go through and playing a full game until that fourth preseason game. They're like, wow. Well, John, I, I personally hate preseason. I hate everything about it. Uh, obviously, it is an opportunity for both the team to sort of come together in jail and more so for, as you mentioned, young guys trying to make the rosters. But Truly, I believe that going into training camp, the teams already know, let's say, you know, out of 53 and a, a nine, eight, nine man practice squad, I think they know all but maybe three or four of those guys. I, I think they really have it set for the most part. And um, and the bottom line is you don't want to show too much in preseason. There's risks of injury. Uh, the fans are still paying full price. And it just doesn't make sense to me anymore in 2018 that we're still doing this. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of risks to rewards to preseason, you know. But the biggest thing is, the only way to get into football shape is playing football, and you, you can't do it. You know, you have to, you know, harden that out of show with getting hits and stuff like that. Well, so so talk about how the difference between going through practice and an actual game. Uh, you know, the game is a lot more. I want to say, you know, every position is different, obviously, but and during the game, it's a lot more, you know. You're, you're making sure that you're reacting at the right game speed, you know, doing everything on the drop of the dime. And also, you know, the timing. You know, practice, you always know that the whistle can blow at any time. A play can be stopped. You know, you can, you, you know you're actually trying things at practice before you get to the game. A lot of times practice is where you, you try different techniques, you try different things, but in the game you're just reading and reacting. But, um, but yeah, so, but I think, you know, as we 
continue moving forward. I think there will be less preseason games moving forward because a lot of guys aren't playing very early in the preseason and very late. So I think, you know, I think they will move forward to a different format maybe five, seven, eight years from now. Well, you know, Joe, I have been an NFL agent, a certified NFL agent by the National Football League Player Association for over 25 years. And in that time period, we've still been trotting out four preseason games and 16 regular season games. And there have been several CBAs renegotiated during that time period and extended, and we're coming up on one in a couple of years. Uh, the Players Association has taken a hardline stance, um, and, and one of the things that they really think is a major issue, of not allowing the season to expand. I mean, you know, you look at four exhibition games, 16 regular season games, people can't get enough of football as is. Why not extend right. the season for two more games? And, and that would also increase revenues for everybody, which is how the revenues are split between the players and, and the league, and it should be good for everybody, and nobody's going to complain about more football. Right. But the Players Association has been very adamant in its stance that we will not extend to two extra regular season games as well as we've always pointed to the, the, the fact that they like starting the season in early September. It rounds out perfectly to end at the end of the year. Playoffs in the Super Bowl first week in February. It's, it's a format that has worked for a while. They don't want to extend the regular season and start it before September, rolling two more games into August. And then if you extend it for two more games at the end, then you've got two more January games, and you could, could put the stuff back, the Super Bowl, back to mid-February, and you, you run into more weather issues. So yeah. they have really wanted to keep the season structured the way it is. But I just think in 2018, as we've cut down on they're hitting in practice and a whole bunch of other things. And teams have gone from where you, you play your starters more to really scared to put anybody out there. I just don't think it makes sense right now. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a it's an outdoor game, and we got a lot of outdoor stadiums, but, you know, it's we, we've been seeing some, some warmer winters. I just think that you can substitute two in the beginning for two at the end. And like you said, there are pros and cons with the uh, revenue issue and the weather issue. But, you know, I think – Overall, it's going to come down to that because risk to reward in the preseason is just not worth it for a lot of guys. And I think, you know, the farther we keep going along now, it sucks for coaches. Now, don't get me wrong. It sucks for coaches. sucks for, per, you know, person, guys making personnel decisions because you don't get enough live action and get enough time watching actual film. But, you know, with these joint practices, I think that you can get something out the joint practices where you don't actually have to maybe play those games and do a little bit with that stuff, you know, not saying going live, but just still get that that work in. And guys got to be, you know, mature about it also. But those joint practices always end in brawls, don't they? Not all the time. Majority of the time. But, <laughs> but, 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 you know, but there are a lot of good ones. It was less this year. I, I think they'll be getting less and less and less. And, and I think that comes from the head, you know, the head coach down and also from the veterans on the, on the, on the, um, on the team. When we had joint practices, especially in the O-line and the D-line and up front, I learned these from a lot of my vets, you know, offensive defensive line, is we would talk with those guys. Like, listen, this is what we're working on today. We, we going, I'm going to show you at the end of the week, but this is what we're working on today. This, this is what we're trying to get done. You know, this, that, and the third, let's not. And the whistle blow, the whistle blow. Stop, stop. You know what I'm saying? So at, that comes to the you, you know your professionalism, just being a professional and getting good work in against somebody that's not your teammate. So there are ways to control it, just like this year. Some coaches say any incident, no matter who's right or who's wrong, you're out of here. So I think some guys will, you know, be more mature about it if certain things are 
you know, if that happens, I think it could work. I don't know. We'll see. The CBA is a CBA for a reason. Everything is negotiable. Yeah, the CBA being, of course, the collective bargaining agreement. It governs all the rules and regulations that go into play between the players and the league. Um, and it will be coming up in a couple of years. It has been extremely favorable for the league. Um, the Players Association feels they have a really good one in place also and certainly has allowed the NFL to really flourish economically, be the leading sport in the world, in my opinion, leading sports league in so many ways um, and hope that this game continues because the other issues that have become so paramount over the years, Ja, are the fact that player safety is an yeah. issue. And from the time you came into the league in 2006 until last year being 2017 season, so you, you played 12 years in league so far. And during that time period, the rules changed a little bit about training camps, didn't they? Did it feel different for you as a player preparing and going through the camps? <laughs> uh, most definitely. Um, yeah, it felt a lot different. You, you talk about going from, you know, two-a-days in 2006, I think up until we stopped two-a-days maybe 2009, 2010 maybe. I'm not sure. But, yeah, those two-a-day practices were a monster. You know, the two-a-day practices now, shoot, guys are getting the workout before the practice or after the second practice. But um, I think it – it keeps guys healthier, and uh, it puts more onus on the guys making sure that they're ready to go. And that's and I think that's something that contributes to a lot of these injuries out here because early, you know, back in uh, – not back in the day, but, you know, 10, <laughs> yeah, you can talk about 12 years ago. Back in the day. You know, you got a lot of those practices in that, that helped your body, you know – be put in those awkward positions and just just more practices and more time hitting and hardening that shell. When now you know guys got to really buckle down in the off season and make sure that they're training those small muscles, training those soft muscles, so that you know because you're not getting that much training camp or OTA practice as you used to. Jai, you played the majority of your career, career, 11 years for the New Orleans Saints and for one head coach, basically, except when he was suspended in Sean Payton, but it was still his whole sort of staff and mentality. You spent last year in Green Bay for McCarthy. You spent a brief training camp um, over with the Seattle Seahawks as well with another longtime, very successful NFL coach. Did they approach this preseason games differently, those three guys? Um, you talk about Coach Payton and... Uh the McCarthy at Green yeah. Bay? Uh, to an extent, I would say. I mean, both the same. Um, I would say, you know, training camps were a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I, I, for the most part, I, I mean, they're approaching the same. Maybe just, just the scheduling, training did camp they, scheduling was a little bit different. Did they care about winning and losing? Oh, for sure. They still did in the preseason games. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, definitely. I mean, if, you, if you're going out on the field, you're going out there to win. It's, it's, there's no, I don't think there's a way to be competitive and not think about winning. Like, you're always thinking about winning. You know, in my position, I think about winning my individual battle. So, so we're here in Philadelphia. We're, we're based here, although we're heard all over on Wildfire Radio. And the question I have for you as a player as you prepared you know you, the Eagles are coming off the Super Bowl championship and they went into last season personally going into last year I thought they had an okay shot to be a playoff team 
All right, they wind up having a magical season and, and culminates in the Super Bowl championship, the first one ever in Philadelphia history. There is no question that part of what pulled that team through last year was this underdog mentality where it was sort of us against the world, and they felt like they were dogs the whole time. It was part of their theme, part it's on their Super Bowl rings, and then they go and they win the ultimate and beat everybody and, and are the champions. As you approach and come into this year, it's obviously a very different feeling. No longer are they the underdogs. Now they are the Super Bowl champion favorites. They have the targets on their back. Oh. If anything, they took a team that won the Super Bowl that had their star quarterback out, their star left tackle out, a great running back of Darren Sproles out, the star middle linebacker. They they had injuries they were coming. They still won the championship, so they have all those healthy bodies back now. They added some good people like Haloti Nod in the offseason. This team won the Super Bowl and got better, theoretically, on paper. Talk to me. You won a Super Bowl. You came back from it. Do you think the mentality is different coming into this year than last year? And do you think it affects them holding over from the Super Bowl and the fact that they played pretty lousy for the first three preseason games? For one, it, it, it never affects you after you win a Super Bowl. In what <laughs> you way? Because you just won a Super Bowl. Like, you're the best team in, in, I know, but are in, you, in, the, in the league. You are just you won getting a Super Bowl. after it the next year the same way? Most definitely. You, you didn't are, make the playoffs a year after the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl, and you had the same personnel. Yeah, you're right. I mean, other teams got better. I mean, just because you win a Super Bowl doesn't mean it carries over. But at the same token, like it, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't have a negative mindset after you win a Super Bowl. But like, you have the not, same hunger. Um, yeah, I, I think you have the same hunger. I mean, you know, Seattle had an opportunity to go back to back and is one play away. It, it doesn't mean that they didn't have the same hunger. You the know, last just, Super Bowls that went back to back. Were the New England Patriots in the early 2000s? You're in a different league if you go back to back, and they have a chance to do it. Like you said, they got better. Um, they were. I knew they were going to be a, a tough defense because we played them in the first preseason game in, in Green Bay, and a lot of those guys up front. Well, some of those guys, you, you know, we played them. I played them in New Orleans twice in the playoffs, so you know they got a lot better. And like you said, last year they were without some key players, and they bought a handful of key players in this offseason also. So I mean, I think they're going to. They're going to do well. Um, I think the main reason that I'm not going to sit here and say they're, that they think that they're underdog. They don't know that they're underdog. But I think the main driving force in them this season is going to be Carson Wentz. Because Nick Foles, you know, came in and did his thing. and He was a Super Bowl MVP. Carson Wentz went down. I think that's going to be enough spark to carry these guys mentally to, to, to get after it this season. You know, just 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 for them thinking like, listen, we didn't even win this game with our general. You know, he might have got us three quarters of the way there, but this year he's going to get us all the way there. So I mean, I think they got a good chance to repeat, and and it's not a the NFC East is a tough division as always is. So, but I don't think that they're you know thinking you know slacking or anything like that. No, I I just think the pre- and, and I don't pre- think it's necessarily uh, conscious. I, I just think that the hunger. To become that Super Bowl champion versus then the the off season where the euphoria, the high, the parties, the parades, the celebrity, everything in the ring, it it just holds you over, and then all of a sudden you're back at work real quickly. Um, you, you mentioned Carson Wentz, obviously. 
Carson Wentz was on his way to an MVP season when he goes down in December. Right. I personally, when he went down, knew that the Eagles had no shot to win the Super Bowl at that point. It was over. And of course, Nick Foles comes in and plays unbelievably. And maybe they win if Carson Wentz doesn't go down, but he couldn't have played any better than Nick Foles. He played like the Pro Bowler he is. And it was, and, it, and you, you always said that to me that you really felt that he was that kind of quarterback. And he proved it. And he proved it on the biggest stage. So Carson Wentz is certainly hungry. We will see. I mean, as as we sit here and have watched three really ugly performances by the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick, Nick Foles not being the Super Bowl quarterback he has been so far in the preseason. The big thing is that Carson Wentz is their man. He hasn't yeah. played yet, so it's real hard to judge anything until he is out on the field. But it, I, from your standpoint, is can you turn it on quickly? You know, you all of a sudden, hey, listen, now it's time to go. It's regular season, literal. Can you do that? But, you know, they're not really turning it on quickly. I mean, they, they played, what, four or five weeks longer than teams that didn't even make the playoffs. So, Actually, they're a little bit more ahead. Now, if you tell me, okay, winning the Super Bowl doesn't come with, you know, added bonuses like maybe bigger partying. So it's guys a good offseason, right? It's, it's, a, it's a great offseason. After you win the Super Bowl, you're, you're, you're on the mountaintop. You I mean, guys celebrated in a Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans. It, it, one, of the, one of the best cities to win the Super Bowl, in, I have to say, is, is New Orleans. They already set up for Mardi Gras. It was amazing. But – yeah, so I would I wouldn't trade that for anything. I don't care if people are going to say, "Oh, it was a Super Bowl hangover." This then the third. What what does it feel like to not win the Super Bowl? Actually, other thirty one teams because you know they won it. So I'll take all those things that come with winning it. Now, are they still refocusing? Of course they are. You, you think Peters isn't coming back focused? Oh, he's focused. He's trying to get there. Sproles, you know who was down. He's trying to you know he's he, he's coming back hard, hungry. You know the guys and the guys around the team they're all hungry because it's not that. You know, that feeling of, okay, I already done it, I achieved it, take a, you know, sigh of relief. Now it's like, I'm trying to go back to back, because when you go back to back, you're in the elite class. Well, certainly, if the Eagles win this year, they will go down, in my opinion, as the greatest sports team in Philadelphia history. It will be, there will be that kind of accomplishment going back to back. They're already certainly forever in the hearts of the city, first Super Bowl champion. Now it's hard to do. But well, like we said, we haven't. It hasn't been done since the. That was in my mind when we won. I'm like, we got the team, we got the offense. Why can't we go back to back? (laughs) So anyway, listen. As as we talk about your Super Bowl celebrations in New Orleans, one of the people you celebrated with is on the is about to join us. Want to welcome Roman Harper. Roman, you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Hey, Roman. Welcome to Colton's Court. How are you, buddy? What's up, Josh? Hart, what up, dog? What up, dog? Listen, I got to give you a little bit of introduction to our listeners here on Colton's Court. And and Roman, uh, a superstar, high school player, quarterback, D-back from Alabama, growing up there, went to where probably everybody from Alabama wants to go, the University of Alabama, where he was an all-SEC performer. The second team is junior, first team in that wonderful conference his senior year. And then he was a second-round pick of the New Orleans Saints in 2006, where the New Orleans Saints also picked a guy named Jari Evans, who's sitting right next to me, as a fourth-round pick. No doubt. And then ja, uh, you and Best ja, draft class in history. First one starting. First one starting. First one starting. <laughs> Best draft class in history. Just, just notice that, too. And Roman, you know, obviously that draft class built a foundation of a team that went on to the Super Bowl four years later and stayed really good for a long time. And you also, that draft class came at the same time where Reggie was your first, Reggie Bush was your first round pick and Zach Streif was seventh and Marcus Colston was seventh. Those guys had long careers and Ninkovich had a great career, although not there. It was just a really spectacular draft. But you also came at the same time as Sean Payton arrived as head coach and Drew Brees was signed as as a free agent quarterback and just everything came together and you were really part of what is what is and will always be the golden era of New Orleans Saints football? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's crazy. You know, being a part of that year was so special. First of all, Gerald, I guess you got to admit, like, when I went to Alabama, I don't even know if they would recruit me now as good as they are. I mean, <laughs> golly, I was good. I don't know if I'm Alabama caliber now, five-star, four-stars, just running them off. But I guess, you know, it was perfect timing for me. So I'll lead off by saying that. But I appreciate the great introduction. That was awesome. Well, I mean, you get, I mean, Roman, look. I was on the phone just standing, standing ovation over here with that innovation. <laughs> well, Roman, I, I first so, met man. you when you were coming out of, of Alabama, and you always impressed me then. And I just have loved you. I loved watching your career. I loved you and Jaws, teammates and friends, and all the things you've done as you've built up your own life um, and family. So I want to take you through a couple of steps so the listeners can kind of get an insider's view as to what you did. I mean, you're this kid in Alabama, and obviously the goal probably always is a dream is to play for University of Alabama, right? Yes, correct it is. I hear some crying in the background. Look, my story's not like that, though. <laughs> uh, man, look, this daddy daycare is real, son. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram, no, like, Retirement and picking the kids life, up. All right? I'm breaking <laughs> out. Yeah, man, I'm, I've got kids going home and fighting because Sydney has some chips. Rome ate the last set of chips, and if they were Sydney chips and these mags, <laughs> they, I don't know, you know, it's sibling stuff, man. And yes, you hear it. So, but anyway, Gerald, so we're about to get out the car in a second, so you only have to worry about that. Sorry, this is real life, though. It's all right. But, uh, no worries. No worries. So, no, I, I grew up, my, my parents are Alabama State fans. Hey, daddy's on the phone, guys. So, I, my parents grew up Alabama State fans, HBCU in Montgomery, Alabama. So, I, I didn't grow up loving Alabama like most people think you do in Alabama. I understand it because everybody was like, oh, you got to pick one Alabama, Auburn, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't grow up following Alabama football. I was all about Alabama State. But, you know, once I went on my visit there, it's hard to turn it down, you know. The culture, the people, the, the you know, the championships, the just how long the tradition, man. You won't find many places got deeper, longer traditions than the uh, University of Alabama. So that was why I went, man. That, and I always tell three people this, Gerald. I went because Alabama's colors are similar to Prattville's where I'm from, all right, so that I know I would look good in it. Um, number two is because I had Russell Athletic. I had Russell Athletic in high school, and Auburn was Russell Athletic at the time. So, And Alabama was Nike, so I wanted to go there for that because I wanted to upgrade, of course. And then uh, and then the third reason was I liked the DB coach a little bit more than I did at Auburn. All right, at least there was some football Tom, decision. Uh, good. Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> Yeah, at least it's on the back end. But because you sound like the, what it was. You sound like the guy who goes to the then, racetrack and picks a horse because he's pretty and has likes the colors. But anyway, <laughs> it was a good reason. You picked the right. You picked the great place, nonetheless. Obviously. So tell me, Roman, no because place. because you you left shortly and graduated and went on to the NFL shortly before. Uh, Saban arrived, Nick Saban, who has, in my opinion, over his 11 years at the University of Alabama, has probably done the most impressive job in the history of college football. Because in this day and age, to have won five championships, national championships in 11 years, to go 127 and 20, have two Heisman Trophy winners at a place that actually never had one before, despite Alabama's rich (laughs) rich tradition. It's just, it's absolutely incredible that they're able to sustain that with the target on the back. How are they able to do so? Man, because I, Nick, man, Nick Saban is so good. Uh, now that I've got to actually meet him, I didn't play for him. So I didn't know Nick Saban until I actually I've got to meet him over the years. He treats me great, allows me to come back whenever, whenever. So uh, our relationship's good. So just his, his nonstop accountability to himself, the way he holds himself accountable, and he's always evolving. He always is trying to get better. He doesn't rest. He doesn't stop. You know, I saw him after his last championship. Like, Coach, that was congrats. And he was, like, looking at me like I had, what are you talking about, congrats? 
I'm like, yeah, man, you just won huh? said, Oh my God, that was forever ago. Yeah, yeah, bro. He's he's already on to the next thing. He's working. He's recruiting. He was talking to me about recruiting and stuff. How he only has so many scholarships and he had to up for this thing. And then you can you fall behind on this class because it's in. I'm just he's always working. Come on inside, girl. And then um, so you know, so that right there. And then you know, he evolves with the offense. He doesn't stay the same offense. He gets a new offensive coordinator. He gets new coaches left and right every year, and nothing seems to stop him because he's always trying to get better. You know how how hard is it to get kids to actually listen to what you're saying when Kobe Bryant shows up there? You know what I mean? And then you got ESPN cameras on you all day long. I mean, it's great for recruiting as well. You know, who, if you want to win a championship, come here. We can show you how it's done. And they do, and they they won they won a lot, and probably will continue to do so. And 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 we were talking a moment ago about hunger, staying hungry after winning. But somehow Nick Saban stays hunger, yeah. hungry and keeps that whole program that way. So, but Rome. What'd you say? So, no, yeah. anyway. Hey, don't let us interrupt you, Rome. You all right? <laughs> so. No, bro. My daughter just yelled at me, bro. Oh uh, well, Roman. Roman has three three children, two girls, and had had his son two years ago. So um, I guess the women rule the household, right? Yeah. He's out. He's he out Man, I, I, yeah. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be quiet in my own little space, and they yell at me. I'm just like, hey, man, I'm on the phone, please. I'm conducting business. Well, Jal, I mean, I was going to talk later, and Jari sitting next to me, having had his first child, his son, just less than you know, yeah, five five months ago. You know, some yeah, a little you know, bit. Sometimes, Gerald, they just come in on you unexpectedly, man. And, you know, <laughs> at least Jai's son is not moving yet, so they don't get into stuff. You know, so so, so you so that keeps it safe. You know, yeah. but other than that, though, you know, I deal with some other things. I want to talk about what we're talking about. Well, all right, it's, uh, good, but but I can st- I want to stay with your child for a second, your son for a second, because part part of the issues we were mm-hmm. discussing a moment ago, and we'll we'll continue to because we still want to touch on Maryland football, uh, their tragedy there this summer, and a whole few other things. Is player mm-hmm. safety in football? And here you guys both are, and. Mm-hmm. and you, you survived, you know, over 10 years in the NFL, which is a ridiculously long career when the average career is just over three and had success and are able to walk healthy away and now play, hopefully play on the floor with your kids when you need to and all that stuff. So you have a two year old Roman. He's got your your bloodlines. Do you see him playing football? Do you, would, um, you and do you if care? He want, if, he, if he wants, you know, if he wants to play it, I, I'd love for him to play, it. you know. Cause you know, and it's hard for me. How can I tell him no? Uh, that he can't do something that you know he the, the house that he wakes up in every day, um, the cars that his mom and dad drive. You know, is you know is all because of football. Not only that, but his, his grandfather played, his uncles played. And how am I supposed to look and tell him that he can't and try and cheat or go play something that that's what got all this? And a lot of my friends are through the same sport, and because of this, and I'm supposed to just keep him from it. You know what I mean? I can't do that. If he has a, a dream to do whatever he wants, I'm, I'm with him. You know, whatever sport it is or whatever it is, I'm, I'm just here to try and push it on. And I would never force football on him. That's for sure. I certainly love the game. I'm, I'm talking with Roman Harper, former Pro Bowl safety for the New Orleans Saints and Carolina Panthers, as well as our co-host, Jari Evans, who's a former Pro Bowl guard for the Green Bay Packers and mostly the New Orleans Saints. And uh, both of you have young sons. Jari, what do you think about Atlas as he grows older. I agree with Roman. Um, you know, if he decides that he wants to play football, then most definitely give him the best coaching that he's ever had. <laughs> and, uh, no you, doubt. No hey, doubt about it. Teach yeah. him how to do it the right way, Jack. Exactly. And that's the key. You know, it's about just teaching him the proper techniques and how to play in the right way. And, uh, I, you know, I, and like I'm just pro-choice. If that's his choice, if he want to be a golfer, he be a golfer. Want to be a professional bowler, be a professional no bowler. Well, I say get that golf club in their hands while they're young. <laughs> but anyhow, not a whole lot oh of my injuries. Oh, my God. Josh's son would be the biggest golfer <laughs> by far. Longest drive. 
drive. The freaking PGA Tour. <laughs> oh my god. Um, you like, know, they be like. He's, John's son's going to need a car. You know what I mean? He's like, bro, I can't walk this. But I guess he'll be a lot smaller when he's walking. Well, yeah, we're going to keep him thin. We're going to keep him thin. I certainly would have let my kids play high school. Well, my kids did play through high school football, but my kids had my bloodlines, not your guys. They were hampered by their father, for sure, and uh, and they they rose to be decent size. Well, Gerald's son athlete. played next to uh, Matt Ryan's cousin, who actually just got drafted. Mike McGlinchey, who was a first-round yeah. pick, I think ninth overall to the San Francisco oh, wow. 49ers, was a left yeah. tackle. Mike he was a left guard at Penn Charter um, a few years back. So yeah. um, I always thought that my son carried that team. I guess McGlinchey at 6'8", 3'30". Yeah, he's <laughs> probably a little better. But he got a lot bigger since I saw him in high school. <laughs> but I did, I actually, you know, knowing that there probably wasn't a, a huge future in, in the, uh, even college scholarship, let alone NFL for my kids in football, I did give them a one concussion career limit. And uh, my younger one, Skyler, mm-hmm. uh, had one, and, and I, we called it a career for him at the end of ninth grade when he got a pretty severe concussion. I don't know. You, you know, you, you do the best you can as a father and try to make judgments, and he was much better at baseball and basketball mm-hmm. anyhow. But, I, listen, I look forward to watching young Harpers and Hatless Evans play and, and, and perform <laughs> down the road. And, and if they need representation, give me a call. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> going, going on room through you. I love it. Going on room through your career. So you, so you go to the New Orleans Saints in 2006. You report to training camp. I guess it's in Mississippi then. Jackson. You're, you're probably used to 100-degree yeah. weather and 100% humidity and the swamps that you're... So our you're, rookie camp, Gerald, our rookie camp, was in Metairie, though. Yeah. Oh, she was from okay. Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. OSPOTAs is in Metairie. Rookie camp. Yeah, remember that, John? Yeah, yeah. Rookie that was, camp was, like, in New Orleans. That was in Metairie. Then yeah. we went to camp, had a report. We went to, that's when we went to hell. Training camp. You know camp. what I'm saying? That was, like, yeah, that training camp was awful. The hardest and the worst thing I'd ever done in football. And why was that? Man, it was hot. I mean, I was a rookie. I was getting yelled at. Um, it was highly competitive. Um, you know, you were sore. That's when you were doing two a day. I mean, it was uh, it was some brutal. I mean, the conditions to get to practice. We had to walk a whole mile. Rookies did. Yeah. Our, our dorm was a mile away easily to where we had to be at. Am I right, Josh? So no, you're absolutely no right. In yep. between practices, maybe going to get a nap or something, just at least rest. I was sleeping in the meeting room. You were about to get back on the field. Exactly. Yeah, you just had to go anywhere and just find Anywhere and just lay you know, it down. Rookies, we had the small. We didn't even have a lot. We weren't even in the locker room. We were in a. Uh, trailer like like a, like a trailer, a trailer thing with some showers in the back it was like <laughs> it was bad man it, that was rough I, I really called my dad and no indoor like, and no indoor dad, facility I don't, I don't know if, and no indoor and like the cleat it was like nothing cleats out there at some of these times you know and it, it didn't weird. even rain like it didn't even rain we didn't even need yeah, an indoor. It, the it, one time it rained <laughs> maybe it, it rained one time in three years we was in the gym and it was like how's it not raining yeah every day feeling like it was yeah. gonna rain didn't even yeah. rain but over time, Rome, uh, the, the, the training camps got a little bit lighter as the Players Association really lobbied for better conditions, working conditions, and player safety, right? Oh, yeah. Big, well, yeah, man. I wish they would lobby for some other things, but it's all good. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we we can agree on that and, and talk another day on <laughs> I mean, your... I mean, that, that is completely water on the bridge now, but hey. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yes. Um, but, yeah, that that was really it, though. I, I, you know, it's gotten better. And not only that, but you, you learn how to practice. Right. The coaches know who you are. It's a little bit more. Sure. You become more established. So you, you learn. You also learn how to work. You know what I mean? How to work smarter. Uh, you know, still work hard. But, you know, the reps aren't as bad on you. When you're a rookie, you still got to try and 
you know, you got to earn it on special teams. You got to earn it on all these other things. You know, I know the big guys, they're not used to that. Those, uh, those sprints, they get out of you doing special teams because on the one of the days we had, Gerald, also, on uh, that first year, we also had like a seven on seven and some special teams. The special teams is almost like full go. Wow. It was like stupid what Sean and them were doing. And you, and you as crazy. a, and you as a rookie D back, you're doing the seven on seven. You're doing special teams. You're not getting a break, right? No, I'm not getting a break. Yeah, you got a break on uh, field goal, field goal to field goal block, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, which Jerry always hated. <laughs> yeah, all, let me, Gerald. Let me tell you how tired I get doing one monster step to the left. That's it. <laughs> this is what I always hated though like mm. the conditioning test my time would be 60 seconds and your time would be 56 you know what like, we're, like come on like we're four seconds difference we're gonna really? talk about uh, the Maryland football team in a second I don't want to I, I don't want to use up my time with you Roman on it but um, Jerry's referring to that you'd have to do a conditioning test at the start of camp you have to report in a certain amount of shape and it, I mean Jai, you can describe the test I used to try to do what you had to do and I you know the size of a D-back, well, not even a very small D-back, but, but <laughs> what the difference was between what guys like Roman had to do versus what you as a 330-pound lineman had to do were right. kind of a joke. Why don't you tell, why well, you tell just, our audience what, what It's just running. Like, so Roman position, he runs. That's what he does. Well, but tell me the actual test. Well, the test was a 300-yard <laughs> shuttle. I think people know about these yeah, tests. But they, uh, so the test is 300-yard shuttle in, in 50-leg increments with, with – um, <clears throat> with multiple turns. So you're going 50, 50 back, back with six times. Six times, correct. They equal 300 yards. And you have to run that for the offense and defensive line, 60 seconds. For the linebackers and tight ends, 58 seconds, only two seconds. <laughs> 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 for the DBs and the running backs and everybody else, 56 seconds. It's 52. It's, oh, 50, no, 52. Was it 52 for you guys? Okay, 52. Yeah, but, yeah. But 52 anyway, 53. But anyway, yeah. these guys. And you had, and you had to do three. You the turns, bro. It, what you turns, mean, man. turns? I'm That's not turning. Well, I mean, <laughs> I did run the screen, so I guess I'll turn it sometimes. But but, but the thing is, but the thing is, three of them. Right? Yeah, you get a, you get a two minute break in between, and you got to do three times, and you got to do three times, and you got to get in those times. But you got guys like Roman and these smaller guys jogging across the finish <laughs> <laughs> in 52 seconds, and we're Dude, barely getting there. Energy, man. <laughs> that is true, though. I, I just true. thought it was just not a good test. Now, now some teams do the. What they do, maybe the sprints, just the uh, you know forty yards or sixty yard sprints, and they probably do like sixteen of them with a break at eight. Some teams do them like that, but it's just like the running conditioning test for the big guys is like really you, you got to boost this time. Listen, I always thought it was silly in your entire twelve year career. How many times did you ever run fifty yards? But then it sets you back for three days because your hamstrings are tight, your low back is tight. You can't even get three good days of work in with pads on for the first three days because you you sore. So Rome, you report to training. Camp in Metara, your first one is a rookie in 2006, and there's a, a rookie lineman from Bloomsburg who was a fourth round pick, and no one ever heard of Bloomsburg at that point, a Division II school from uh, Eastern. No, I had never heard of it. Okay, and coming from Alabama, I'm you know in the Division One powerhouse Alabama. I'm sure you hadn't heard of Division Two small school in Pennsylvania. Go Huskies! And so they drafted. I, I didn't even I didn't even know guys went to the NFL from Division Two. They actually <laughs> like they like actually didn't a whole lot, and certainly never from. <laughs> we got a few out there. We got a few out there. He set the way. There was one before him. No, that's me being 100. And I went and God knows how I feel. He knows how I feel. I'm the Republican of NCAA. So this, I'm all about the big schools, baby. So this, this rookie lineman, your fourth round pick, wearing these big thick glasses uh-huh. shows up. What was your impression? Oh, you got to talk about the glasses. You tell me. This what was your impression? Glasses. I was like. They was bugle boys. I couldn't get over the glasses the first time. 
I saw him. I'm like, this dude's supposed to. He looks like he's like 20 year old, chubby kid, glasses, <laughs> kind of dorky. I mean, he's kind of round in the face. I'm like, dude, he's really big. I get it, but like, he's like big all over. Like, can he even move? And then next, you know, he's the first one starting. And it's hard for me to like see when the lineman's doing well. When I watch film, I don't see linemen. I'm not watching who's what linemen's dominating who. I'm watching receivers. My my the quarterback, the triangle to the running back. I'm reading keys. I don't look at the guard. The guard doesn't tell me anything. I read a tackle. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Tackle tells you pass faster than run pass that you get it off the tackle. You don't get it off the guard. I don't I don't look in there. So to see Josh starting early, I was like, dude, the dude must be doing something. Well he started not, right not away. Not only that, but now he's he's solidifying himself. I'm like, dang, my boy's boss. So then of course then we get cooler and cooler over the, over time, you know, because we're all going through the same struggle and we're all new and we all got we all got our differences of struggle starting it off, you know? For job might have been, you know, coming from Bloomsburg and all this other stuff, actually believing in himself, thinking that he can make it too. So, you know, he having those struggles, but we all think that a little bit as rookies. But, bro, my guy was balling and all of us started balling. But I fed into that because he was part of me. We were going through the same struggle. He right. made me better because I saw him ball and I wanted to go ball too. And because of that, I think that kind of swayed our whole class because, I mean, we start off with 20-something. You know, the NFL was different then. Jai, you can speak to this too. You know, mm-hmm. um, Back then, you had to be a good rookie to make the team. Nowadays, you got to be a, a, ba- a good veteran to make the team. Sure. Yeah. You know, I was in a room with guys with 10, 20, like 13 years, Jay Bellamy, Fred, Omar, Fred Thomas was like 11, Omar Stoudemire was nine, uh, Fred, Jason Kraft was nine, Josh Bullock was the youngest dude at two, Mike McKenzie was like seven or eight. Right, so right, yep. I was in there with all these older vets. You don't have that anymore. You know, it's a different league now. So, so Rome, you, you wind up being a pro bowler and starter, and uh, it culminates in year four for you guys with winning Super Bowl forty four. Talk about talk about that experience of climbing to the mountaintop. Dude, it was so good, man. It, it was literally just special, man. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. And the fact that, like, we started all hot, you know, we brought Sharp in that year, and. You know, man, I, going into my third year, going into my fourth year, I thought I was going to be, you know, and sometimes I was kind of an up-and-down player, I guess, inconsistent, whatever. But, you know, I started taking it a little bit more serious. Not only that, but, I, you know, I've been starting. I was ready to at least try to make a little bit of money. I'd seen some guys in front of me start to get paid. And whatever motivates you. And, and I was like, so what's up? And they, they were just up and down on me. That's what Greg Williams told me. You know what I mean? They didn't love me as a player. They didn't hate me. They just thought I could be better. And Greg said I could do it. He brought in Sharp. I started listening to him. He gave me a lot of great tips. Really taught me how to play the game within the game. You know, some of those veteran guys play veteran plays that they just understand it. Sharp was one of the best at that, and he really helped me elevate my game. Not only that, but winning helps. When exactly. you start winning, you get eyes on you. You know what I mean? You get eyes on you. And then next thing you know, people notice that you're doing those little things. Without the defense and without the team winning, I'm nothing. So now we got Don Vilma in the middle, who's a great freaking beast linebacker. Lisa, Scott Vegeta. We got great players. Scott Stanley. Smart Great players. communication. We're all on the same page. Smart players, man, that can make some plays. We had a few game changers. You know what I mean? Like Sharp was going to pick something off, you know? And nothing I always we told people. We were down people, to call the fumble or something. Yeah, they, we knew they were going to get the Go ball ahead. back at some point to put it back in, you know, the <laughs> offense hand at something. But I always tell people yeah. how, you know, you guys communicated so well that year. And I always ask you this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes Mike McKenzie wouldn't even come to the huddle sometimes. And they would just have hand signals. Mm-hmm. And they would just tell each other the defense yeah. without even like 
being near each other. And you can see all this communication going on. And JV would just, they just turn around and he would look mm-hmm. at Scott and look at the DBs and just get them all in the right place. And you need that. And that helps a lot. That makes yeah. you that makes you play even faster, it, trusting that you trust yeah, that guy and he did. trusts you to it be did. there. You know, in Rome. You know what, John? You bring up such a great point because I didn't think about that. But, you know, during practice all week, we'd have the music cranked up as loud as we could. You know how so many, you know, the offense is on the road. You know, you guys crank up the music, but like the defense, we have the the music up the whole time. You right. know what I mean? And we just did our hand signals. There was no communication. It was all hand signals. We talking the whole time because that's how it was going to be in the game because we knew the crowd was going to be into it. You know, we get the ball back for the offense. It was like just playing fast break offense. We know our offense is going to get on the field. They're going to score points. And we're just trying to get the ball back to them and stop the teams in the red zone. So it was a special year, man, bro. We And we partied like they, like. You had me laughing earlier, bro, talking about, hey, look, man, we partied together as a team. Yeah, we we hung out so hard as a team. We did. <laughs> like, we did. That team is special to me. Not only what we got accomplished on the field, but because what we did off the field was, like, classic. I'm so glad there was no social media at the time. <laughs> Nobody had cameras, bro. No, it was so good and pure and just great fun, man. And, like, even down in the Super Bowl when we all went out that night, it was, like, awesome. So, um, Miami. We acted like we've never been there before. <laughs> yeah. we, act, we totally did, man. It was a great time. It was a great time. New Orleans, and we got to go down there a day early. New Orleans never had been there before. Oh, yeah, that was the year where they actually did the Pro Bowl in Miami. Yeah, we got to go down yeah. there. So God got, was with us. And, and we had, had a couple of UM guys on the team. Yeah, so, well, yeah, first time. A lot yeah. of UM guys on the team that had us all set up. So we was we was down there doing yeah. it. And it was the first time yeah, they moved man. the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl. So you guys, as being in the Super Bowl, couldn't participate. So you got to go get introduced, have a little bit of fun with it, yep. but not really participate yet. And you guys both went to Hawaii the next year and were able to get the full, full effect of it. But, Rome, that team also had a rookie named Malcolm Jenkins, didn't it? Yes, it did. And, and I bring him up because... Well, we're based in Philadelphia, and, and Philadelphians, I'm sure, think of mm-hmm. Malcolm as their own. He was a big part of putting th- of what really came together as the Eagles championship team. And um, you know, now he's a senior guy on the championship team as opposed to uh-huh. the rookie that was with you. But talk talk about Malcolm because he's a special guy. First of all, he is there. I mean, he he is all the way. He feels so at home being up there. He's an East Coast guy from Jersey. Yep. Uh, so it, he is definitely uh, close to home, but. Yeah, man. You know, when he first got there, man, we made him earn his stripes. You know, that was the one great thing I really think that really helped Malcolm. He didn't come in and just start. He was like our sixth DB and balled on special teams first before yeah. he ever got to making plays on the field, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, sure. he did it the right way. And now to see him be such a great leader, which he always had those characteristics, right? That's what made him a first overall DB taken. So, it's not like talent has ever been a problem with Malcolm Jenkins, you know. No, and he's and he's, he's such a smart guy. Fruition. It would. He, he's I, such I, a smart guy. He's intelligent and he studies the game. He loves the ball. You know what I mean? And he's physical. He's big. He's athletic enough to cover because he was a corner. And now they move him to safety. Now he can utilize all his skills and talent. Yeah, he's I really think that was a, a huge. Job of letting him play in the box. I think that was a huge Moving him around, too. not just. Yeah, when New Orleans, he was just always up top. You know yep. what I mean? They always had me down low. So. I mean, and just it just it only allowed him to do just a little bit, so he didn't get to utilize all his skill set. So I, I think it was a great transition for both. It really helped Malcolm come to who he is as a man, as a player, 
and really established himself as one of the best in the game right now. Rome, it was really interesting after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I was uh, fortunate enough to be in Minnesota and at their post-game party. Uh, I, I spent some time with Malcolm, who I've known ever since he came in, and he's just such such a special guy. And we were really talking about, you know, he was taking some time thinking about that first year where he won a Super Bowl. And, and you're fresh in the league. You don't even appreciate how hard it is to do. He joined <laughs> such a great team. You guys were on the threshold of getting there, and he was there the year you went over the top. And then here he's in the league another seven years before he gets another opportunity, seven, eight years. And, and in Philadelphia, he really was such a more integral part and really the leadership role. So it was just interesting to see him those years later. And he was able to, I think, really, really appreciate it more last year, doing it a little bit later in his career. But I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. But Rome, uh, I, I wanted to do it my last year in Carolina, but I would have went out with a bang, but I had to play again because <laughs> that was a great Bowl. team, though. That was, I, a, that was a good team. Well, let's talk. Man, let's talk. I, I could, but John, I couldn't let a Super Bowl loss be the last. I, listen, I completely I understand. Like, oh, no, bro, I, bro, I was like, bro, I would be. I completely I understand. I've done it way too long. Rome, I'm already keeping you <laughs> long. And, and uh, here no, we no, are. No, Cold good, no but I don't, I don't want to let yeah, you go because there's, there's more things I want to talk about before our show's over. And that is... All right, well, we're good, man. The kids, the kids are outside with mom. They're in the pool. We're good, brother. We I'm appreciate it. <laughs> um, no doubt, man. I made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, bro. I'm living the, living the dream, man. And, good, and it's, gr- it's great to kick it with you like we used to. But, but Rome, um, so, you, so you wind up leaving New Orleans and it never feels good. You know, I, I talked to Jairi and all my clients through their careers that unfortunately at some point the game, you realize that the game is really cold and something goes wrong for you at some point. And I mean, you realize it along the way, but th- then it happens to you. You've been such a part of a championship team. You've gone to pro bowls and then all of a sudden you're released. How's that hit you? You know, it, for me, it didn't hit me as hard because I saw what they were doing to me early in the year. Right. So they, they drafted Kenny Vaccaro, who I think is a good player, you know, um, but we definitely helped him out a lot as a rookie, right? And Kenny was like, you know, at that point in his career, he only had one one maneuver, which was hard all the time. And me, you got to have a little bit of finesse in your game, you know, and Kenny's learned how to play a lot better now. But, you know, and so they draft Kenny, so of course they wanted to play first round, right? right? So as I'm starting to play, next you know, they tell me that they want him to play more in base and then me. Is it, which our, our third, our three safety was our base, but, you know, in certain things. And I, I didn't understand that. So early in the career, and then I, I messed up my knee. And then as I'm talking and stuff and I'm trying to come back, because I, I got, I messed up my knee. I had to have surgery in the second game. I started the first two. I got player, the defense player game the first game. Then the second game, I, I didn't, but I played well. Then I had a knee surgery. I was out nine weeks. You know, they love Kenny. I come in and they're playing me not as much as I'd like. It's weird. And I just saw the writing on the wall, and I was just like, man, look. I, so in my mind, I'd already moved on. Kenny gets hurt that year. The next thing you know, I come in, play. It goes all kumbaya, but I knew at the end of the year I was going to be gone. Since that time of the year, so, we move on. I was blessed and fortunate enough to go to Carolina, bro, and go to a Super Bowl, like my man Beehart said. After that game, he was all emotional. But, uh, but you know, um, so, yeah, man, it, and it kind of set me up, man. I live here in Charlotte, bro. It was the best thing that happened for me, too, Gerald. You know, real talk, Doc, because I actually revitalized myself. For the first time, you go into another locker room, you got to get to know other guys. Yeah. Instead of guys getting to know you. You know what I mean? Because you come to my locker room. Yeah, exactly, so I got to yeah. introduce myself a little bit more. I got to put myself out there a little bit more, you know, instead of, you know, and kind of get comfortable with them. And also learning how they work, you know, in a different environment. Hmm. And that was a great different group coaches. of guys. That was a great group of guys and a great yeah, defense yeah. they got. Man, these, these guys in Carolina are awesome, bro. The guys are awesome. 
Well, you had a couple uh, gray know, hairs um, to, to show them some experience, although you had those as a rookie also. <laughs> but, <laughs> Thank you. See, Jim, people don't know that, though. People don't they, know you that. had the helmet they on, but I loved it. Like, it made you look older <laughs> when you were young, but you look younger when you're old. So it's, it's all a good thing. But, but Rome, you know, talking about that, those good guys, you know, you, when you were playing in Carolina, you, you went to – the Super Bowl, your second year there. Um, the first year, you had a late season Thursday night game in Philadelphia. And you and I, you, you brought me, fortunately, although I think uh, you and I were the ones who picked up the check, but we went out with the D-backs, your whole D-back field, to uh, Del Frisco's in Philadelphia for dinner when you're playing the Eagles. And yeah. and and you told me there's a kid there named Josh Norman who's really, really good. And obviously he went on to become one of the better cornerbacks in the league and was really discovered the next year. But you, you liked that group. And that was, the, that was the group that sort of led you to the Super Bowl the next year. And and I say that only because, you it know, did. here in Philadelphia, the Eagles really did not have a very good 2016, and then they go and win the Super Bowl next year. You the same way in Carolina. That Thursday night game late in the year, you guys were awful. And I think you went something like 5-11 oh, and 11 that year. And I could, I could not thrash. believe how bad that thrash. football team was. And a year later, you're in the Super Bowl. So how does it turn around so quickly? And, and you, I guess there's, to me, some similarities with the Philadelphia team. Man, so... Yes, I, I think in the fact of like, at some point you got to show some signs. So I think that's what we did in the first year was that we actually started to, we won our last, what, four or five games and we won the division because the division was terrible. All right. Everybody was seven and nine. We were seven, eight and one. We lost, we lost, we went two straight months without winning. The next thing you know that next year we started playing better and, uh, you know, we went to playoffs, we lost to Seattle, whatever. So we built, we went out on a little bit of a confidence, like, hey, we just got to keep growing. And then the next year, man, Kelvin Benjamin got hurt, so a lot of people were all nervous and this, that, and other. The next thing you know, man, we win, I, we win one game. We win another one. And then when we went on the road to Seattle and beat Seattle in Seattle, I was like, they, they're, they're starting to believe. I knew what it felt like before because it was the same thing in New Orleans in 2009. Well, next thing you know, we beat the Giants in New Orleans to go 4-0 before the bye. Smashed bye-bye, them. Right? Or maybe when we were coming off the bye. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. Ah, it's shoot. a podcast. You no know? <laughs> oh, Okay, good. You know, that, you know, we might have something. And now, not only that, but confidence-wise, man, it's something. Like, when you start winning games that maybe not everybody thought you should, and you go out there and win and start winning, and then you just find ways to win. Those are what happens. And then, you know, we'd be down or something and then find a way to win. Or yeah. we win ugly this week. Or next week, we... And not only that, but Cam was balling. The offense was on fire, you know? So we were scoring points. Guys were having fun, you know, hanging out, things like that. So I knew what it felt like before. It almost took me back to 2009. So, you look, it was so similar. And I agree so much with sort of what you said. It's it, The NFL becomes almost about momentum. You win those early season games, and you get on a roll, and you start believing yeah. in yourselves. And that's always the case. The Eagles had one last year when uh, Elliott kicked a 62-yarder yard field goal in the last play yeah. of the game against the Giants. Yeah, and those things then catapult you. You win games yeah. maybe you shouldn't have. Or, yeah. And you just start really, really believing yourself. Hey, I just yourself. saw the same, the, the, Gerald, the same kicker, the one that just made 62, just missed a 20-something yard of the other damn preseason. Yeah. So, like, damn that's kickers. what I'm saying. Kickers are near and dear to my heart. I've having represented David Akers his whole career. But, but uh, so, Rome, we're, hey, we're, how great was this? How great was this thing at the draft? I witnessed that. I was there for that. That was awesome. Jim. I am so I proud of him. You know, and, and next then, time you tell, 
I told I told him that next morning when I saw him at the hotel. Oh, you did. Okay, you were down right. there too. You you did the yeah. and what a great experience. I did the same third round pick. Yeah, I was really, really proud of him. And he Good. stepped a little bit outside of his character, but he's so passionate and loves being, having been a Philadelphia Eagle, and he really had some fun with it. And um, he's going to be doing something hosting that's up here at Xfinity all year, Xfinity Live every Sunday or every every game before. Well, that's every what he told Sunday. me. And he said, he said he didn't think people could hear him, so that's why he was screaming it louder. He said he didn't think that they could hear him. It was slight, <laughs> Well, he said he couldn't hear himself, and it was slightly high-pitched. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was... Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was funny. He was, like, he was like, dude, I didn't even mean to come off like that. There's nothing, sounded, but it made it so much better. There's it nothing like so the, the hatred of the Dallas Cowboys in Philadelphia and vice <laughs> yeah. versa. So it was, and they it was were a beautiful thing. they booing him the whole time. <laughs> it was funny. Like, you could hear him booing him, like, you know, the moment he walked up there, right? It was just funny. It was great. To actually be in the building that night. When that happened, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I just I wish I could share that moment with everybody. So, Rome, um, before we let you go now, wind up, I want to talk to you about one of the big issues that has been talked about this year, um, the change in the helmet rule and, and the fact that they're really cracking down. You as a hard-hitting, tough safety um, who, who really played the game that way, uh, how, would the, how, how do you look at the rule? How would it have affected Roman Harper? I don't know. I don't even know how you play right now, right? It's weird. Like, they don't even try and, first of all, they don't even try and hit anybody. They just try and break up the pass now. That's the only way, right? You got to understand also, Daryl, the only advantage defenses have is intimidation, right? Remember, when I first got into the NFL, it was just try and kill a guy. Like, you just separate man from ball, right? That was the rule. Then, as I started playing, 2008, 2009, Ish, that's when they started implementing all these rules. You know, the protect offense players is this, it's that. I mean, then you had the Tom Brady rule kick in when the, the DB on the safety blitz fell and messed him up from behind. You know what I mean? So all these rules get implemented because certain players get hurt. Terrell Owens with the T.O. with the horse collar rule, right? So things like this, um, you know, so that causes it, right? The cause and effect of it. And I don't know where you can hit guys now. And, you know, I remember when you had to lower the target level. And at some point, you know, the the defender is hitting somebody that is bigger than you than usually. You know, the running backs, the tight ends, the receivers are usually bigger than the defensive backs. So my only worry is I'm going to keep my head out of it so much, so much, where all I have now is a shoulder. And then next year I know I'm separating my shoulder when I come through on a guy. So and, and I don't know when you can hit guys anymore. Like if I can't hit them with an elbow or a shoulder pad, because we're wearing pads, then – and I can't use my helmet, then what What? What can I hit him with? That's really going to kick a guy? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's going to mess with guys' heads, I'm sure, and their yeah. ability to play the game. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and your key word, you know, it's intimidation. Your key word is intimidation. Confusing. You know, that like, is, you, you yeah, can't even, guys will come across the got, middle. Huh? We're going to have arena football yeah. scores. That's what we're going to have. It's going to be arena football yeah. scores because, you, know, you know, it's going to be easier to catch the ball. So, Roman, listen. Yes, it, it will, John. But, John, one more point as well is that, all right, well, you know, not only that, but you used to force quarterbacks to not want to throw it in there no more. A receiver's going to say, hey, man, don't throw that in there no more. Right. All right? Don't throw that ball no more. Right? You used to have that point. And I did a couple guys that probably told their quarterback, dude, don't throw that no more. Right? Right? This dude's going to, it's trying to kill me. No, I, I agree. I agree. And, and I think. Yeah, but, not, but quarterbacks throw it in there now freely. Yeah. They just throw it. Rome. And you don't think those coordinators tell them, like, look, they can't hit them. Throw it in there. 
Yeah, I know that. Some defensive guys go defensive guys go take that and make statements yeah. for sure. A, a little bit different yeah, game. You know we'll, we'll, we'll see the effect. All right, so so quick things before you go. You, you just mentioned coordinators, and we, you referred to them earlier. Greg Williams was your D coordinator when you won the Super Bowl. A really fiery coach, but he was also at the center of the controversy that led to the suspension. So I'm Peyton for the year and a whole bunch of other things, and that, of course, you were involved in. Talk about that whole thing real quickly, about what it was like to be in the room with Greg Williams, how he was as a coach, and how things really got misconstrued. Uh you know, now I give a little bit of detail, Gerald, but I, I, I'm assuming we're going to do a 30 for 30 one day. So I'm not going to get <laughs> Well, you know what, save it. And we're going to bring you back on Colton's court, but hopefully. I will. But <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. This, I'll tell you what it's like having. I will tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you about being Greg's uh, plan for Greg. Look, I've never been around a D coordinator or a coach that gets guys going all on the same page and pulling in the same direction as fast as he does. All right. We had built a culture there and the, to a standard, and we held everybody accountable. And the players held each other accountable to it, you know? And when your players hold each other accountable, even before you have to answer to your coach, you, you got something there, right? Your best players are holding each other accountable at a higher standard, right? Because that's how we play. That's how we roll, all right? We're not going to jog to the ball. And when we get there, we get in there with an attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. Things like this, like, you know, trying to whack guys, you know what I mean? Catching them before they get to the sideline. Beat him to the sideline, and then he'll get out of bounds faster next time, I promise you. Because they see that on film. That's all the intimidation part. That's the only advantage we got. So when you take away those things, teams, they don't fear you. How many times do you think we play teams that feared us at times? They oh, a lot of times. Our Saints defense and oh, not. A lot of they times. They feared us. You know what I mean? They feared us. He Especially your building. He on the ground one time. Nobody even hit him. He was just nervous. He thought we was about to hit him, and he just threw the ball down. just like, I don't want you know, we had guys say that they don't want no more, and that's, that's a good feeling, you know? Rome, we're about to wrap up, and uh, I appreciate you spending this time on Colton's Court with us and all the insight and, and humor and memories. Um, with regard to the season, we talked about Eagles unexpectedly winning the Super Bowl last year. When you were with Carolina, I think you surprised a lot of people the year you went. As we sit here in late August heading into the season, give us your choice for this year's Super Bowl champion if you, if you have a dark horse maybe out there. Dude, I have no idea. You know, I haven't even paid that much. <laughs> you know how early it is. And I would be a dummy to sit up and say that, oh, this team is going to go to the Super Bowl. I want to try to. You got to wait till after the first quarter of football. Rome, Rome, I want to pull this out in February and say, look who called this back in August. <laughs> who you think Who's is going to? Who you think yeah. is going to go from worst to first this year? Who a team that won less than five games that's going to, you know, win more than seven games this year? Who do you think? All right, so according to Vegas, you got to go with Cleveland first. <laughs> yeah. Right? I More agree. people have bet on Cleveland. They got Greg Williams over there. And that's where Greg Williams Greg over there. That defense is nice. I, we played him last year. We barely they, got out they, of there. They, they, they won 5 nothing <laughs> <laughs> Against the Super Bowl champs. A team that won no yeah, games last year. Preseason, preseason, preseason. But they, five, they played well. They played, they played well. They played well, yes. But it was hilarious to me. I, I think it's more funny than anything. Right? Yeah. It's hilarious to me. All right, so anyway, so Cleveland, uh, San Francisco is going to be better naturally. Ruben Foster has to stay healthy. Yeah, they're winning the division there. Off the field cleaned up. Yeah, but Garoppolo you really Maybe. like. And I like a couple of their receivers too. And, you know, I mean, um, I like Cleveland also because Carlos Hyde. I think he's really going to help that run game out. Mm-hmm. Take a lot of pressure off people. A lot of pressure. And uh, so I think those are two teams just off the top that you would think. 
Um, if Dallas's offensive line isn't better, they could get worse. People don't want to hear that, but they could go backwards again if Dallas's O line ain't. Oh, healthy. people want to hear that in no, Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're saying, struggling. Bro, Dallas's whole thing. Well, Frederick, Frederick being hurt, yep, hurts yeah. them. Yeah, Tyron Smith has already had back problems, and we all know about backs. They don't ever, they don't ever back off, no. right? They don't ever back off. No. So, so you know, these things that happen. Now they are a great alignment all together, but. You know, you start moving pieces and, and losing pieces. It doesn't. They're not as solidified as, as they weren't. Whereas a huge front, right? Well, lost top two receivers. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're definitely. Going yeah, you know what I mean. Back. So yeah, it, it's gonna. I mean, and they look. I mean, I don't even hate using the Lord's name in vain. They look god awful yesterday. <laughs> They've been pretty bad. They had like a lot of turnovers. Well, Rome, we so, will see. How, I know it was second teamers, but yeah. you know it is. Yeah, I know what you mean. We'll see how it all unfolds, and uh, I guess you'll be watching from from Charlotte, but probably doing other things on Sunday than you used to do, and that's for sure. And um, it's just been such a pleasure reminiscing with you and getting your insights on stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay in touch. And Thanks for coming on, Ro. Appreciate it, guys. Come back again sometime. Hey, man, anytime, man. I would love to, man. I should do this once or twice a week. All I right. got much, much going on, man. Speaking of the kids, living my best dream, living my best life. There you go. We'll have a Roman Court segment for you every every week here on Colton's Court. So it's it's really really a pleasure speaking with you as always. Take care, buddy. All your best to your wife. Hey man, I will, man. Yeah, man, y'all be good. Tell the kids I said hi. We'll do, bro. I love it. Yeah, man. Tell the family I I said hello. So, Ja. I will, man. Love y'all, boys. Be good. All right. Take care, Rome. Be good. So, Ja, there's one of your great teammates and one of the people you really, you really walk with forever. Right? Yeah. You yeah. shared so much together, and, and, <clears throat> and you talk about that rookie class and that Super Bowl. And it's just such a special bond that can never go away. Yeah. Rome is one of my best, best friends on the, you know, on the team. One of them. Um, so many in that draft class. But, you know, his family is, is like family to me. Been to Alabama numerous of times, last seven, eight years. So, yeah, it was good to hear his point on a lot of things. I mean, a quick thing on Roman. Two years after you won the Super Bowl, um, you were playing the San Francisco 49ers in the conference semifinals in an unbelievable yeah, game. shootout and, game. And you took out, you took, and I didn't want to bring Roman up to remind him of the football <laughs> end of it, but it was a really interesting day. So, shootout game, you take the lead late, yeah. and then Alex Smith drives Alex Smith the 49ers. Alex Smith the sideline, yeah. Drives yeah, don't talk to Roman about that. I don't, don't want to hear, accept this. don't want to hear about that. No, but there's a Roman point, because they, they, they win the, the game-winning catch, yes. goes in the end zone just barely, and you lose, and Roman, it was Shouldn't even have got to that point. It, sh- it shouldn't have, and it wasn't necessarily Roman's fault, but he yeah. just was a guy on the coverage on the play. and um, But it was really interesting because I'm waiting for you and a couple other people in your area where the team comes out and the team buses were in Candlestick Park. And I see Roman coming out. And Roman's a passionate guy. And he wore his heart on his sleeves. And he comes walking out. And he is smiling like I've never seen him. I'm, I'm crying because yeah. I think you're going to go on. The next week he would have been home. He would have played the Giants. He would have gone to the Super Bowl. Giants wound up winning that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 44. And yeah. I really think the Saints would have won had they won that game. Yeah, well, we, well, we won 44. I think it was uh, they won 45. It was 46. 46, 46, 46 yeah. just two years later. We, I'm sorry. Because we beat the Giants but, early that year in the Dome, blew them out. Trust me, they did not want to come back to the Superdome that year. But uh, No, but the Giants, <clears> the Giants. But yeah, they wound up winning it that year. They came in, they beat San Fran in yep. overtime the next week and then went on to win the yep. Super Bowl. So I just think down in New Orleans, you would have owned them in your own in the Superdome I where agree. nobody did. I agree. So, so I'm looking at Roman Harper, and he's smiling in this <laughs> what feels like a funeral atmosphere in the parking lot of all the Saints and the families. Um, and I go over, you know, and he says, I said, Roman, what's going on? And he says, I just got word 
I just had my first baby. My baby girl was yeah. born. So you went from the, the, the misery of that loss to really the joy of life and something that really is more important than football, of course. And his six-year-old lovely daughter now was born on that day. That's right. Sort of around the same moment that... Yeah, that was a, that was a bad bad loss, but you know, but that's just Roman. He's all, he was always upbeat. He he just you know, and um, you know you it's, it's not it never comes down to one. Sometimes it never really comes down to one player. It's a whole bunch of plays that lead up to that. But uh, yeah, man, his family is great, and you know he's been to two Super Bowls. He won one, so you know he, he's always been on good teams, and he was a great guy for us, and he's still a great guy. Well, thank you very much for bringing them on with us and sure. taking a little trip down Bourbon Street memory lane. And it was really, yep. <laughs> really, really great to get his insight of one of the great guys in the NFL and a great team of yours. Josh, it's been a great hour here. As always, it goes fast as can be. So thank you for listening in on Wildfire Radio. I'm Gerald Colton for Jari Evans saying thanks for listening. We'll be here Monday at 4 o'clock every week and certainly going on through the football season we start. So once again, for Jari Evans, I'm Gerald. Colton. Thank you. Courts adjourned.